You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore. Um, so, yeah, I took a little bit of time to just get away and stop with all this. I kind of already talked about it last night. If you didn't hear it and you want to know why, just listen to last night. Why, why didn't you listen to Packernet After Dark anyways? Um, just needed a break, man. Honestly, probably could have used a couple more days, but, um, you know, got, got to, got to do stuff. So the, the good news is not much has really happened. We got to talk about the playoffs, uh, as far as what happened. Obviously the Vikings are out, which let's be honest, we could have some fun with this. We could do laughing at the enemy. We can do a lot of different fun things. And I probably will at some point do something. I don't know. But the reality is which cannot really be denied, although Vikings fans will insist on denying it for whatever reason. Well, you know the reason. They're biased and being irrational. There was not a single NFC North team that belonged in the playoffs. Period. And by belonged in the playoffs, I mean actually had a chance at a Super Bowl. The Vikings, the Lions, and the Packers, all, you could argue, belonged in the dance and maybe could kind of compete on the bottom end, you know, the Vikings, the Lions, the Packers, the Giants, uh, the, the lower end teams, Tampa Bay, the, those teams can duke it out, but they're not up there with San Francisco, I don't believe, um, with Philly, not even sure with Dallas, although the Packers have a, a unique ability to beat Dallas, but in terms of just raw talent, if you were to just grade out the team or whatever, don't really belong in that conversation, I don't think. Uh, certainly not with the Chiefs and the Bills and et cetera, et cetera. There wasn't an NFC North team that belonged. And I don't care what the Vikings record was. Nobody should care what the Vikings record was because it's it's not an indication of how good of a football team you are. There's generally going to be some kind of a correlation between good teams and good records, bad teams and bad records. But there are going to be outliers and uh, other factors that come into play, which is why it's generally not the best way to do it. And in this case, you had one of the biggest outliers in terms of quality of team compared to record, which is why the Vikings fans only want to talk about the records. The only thing, and they're pretending that DVOA never existed until this year, and the only reason people care is to trash the Vikings. No, DVOA has always been a thing. People used it to throw it in our faces in 2019. Been around a long time. Uh, Same with point differential. Uh, Nobody ever talked about point. Yes, yes, point differential has been a very popular thing for a very long time. You just didn't know about it because you've never been this big of a fraud before. So now you're being introduced to new concepts, new ideas, things like that, which is okay. It's okay to expand your mind and learn new things, Vikings fans. And it's okay to just finally admit. And I know they will. It's the same thing Packer fans went through in 2019. We are not frauds. It's not true. We just, you know kind of struggle a little bit here and there, but we earned all the blah, 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 blah. And in a couple of years, you look back and go, yeah, we were totally frauds, big time. Vikings fans will do the same thing this year, next year, whatever. They'll look back and be like, yeah, we were, we were kind of frauds. It happens, but uh, still a fun season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Fun season. Great, great, great job with the winning and whatnot. But I mean, come on, uh, let, let's be completely honest about this. Uh, as I said, you go back to the Detroit game. 
this this was an opportunity to prove and i heard i watched a ton of vikings videos like this was our chance to prove everybody wrong and we just couldn't do it dude you guys had like seven chances and you failed every single time you could have proved it against the lions a team with a trash record and they were favorites and all you had i mean if you could have just covered the spread <laughs> you know or or win by a last second field goal which would still be pathetic but anything but actually lose and prove Vegas right. You lost to the Lions. I know we did too, but I'm 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 saying, how does that happen to a team as as quality as the Vikings? I don't understand. Then again, you got the Giants and the 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 Colts, and you beat both of them, but you didn't cover the spread, and it was a paltry spread that any team with any decent quality talent, whatever, would have been able to cover that easily. Then you got the Packers, and you were underdogs, and that ticked you off. And he's like, we're going to show the world now. Turns out the Packers beat you by much. You guys couldn't cover a spread to save your lives. You were underestimated the entire second half of the season, and you never could cover the spread, which is just to say, you know, a good team beats this team by 10. We think you'll beat them by three because you're not a good team, and you beat them by one in overtime. (laughs) So you're not even that bad team that people thought you were. You were worse than that somehow. But again, then you get the Packers, you had a chance, show the world, oh yeah, everybody doubts us, you all doubt us, you call us frauds, we'll show you. Nope. The fraud narrative holds true every single week. Then you got the Bears, and that really wasn't very impressive either. Looked kind of like a little bit of a slugfest. Maybe if Justin Fields starts and the two teams are playing at full strength and both had things to play for, I'm not positive that you win, and certainly not very convincingly. And then you go to the playoffs and everybody says you don't belong, which is hilarious because you're playing the Giants, who is, if anybody doesn't belong, it's the Giants, but there we are, and you lose to the Giants. And I was even upset because it's like, you know what, they're going to beat the Giants at home, by the way, this is your home freaking stadium, and and suddenly Vikings fans are going to do a victory lap. Oh, here we go, we're doing a big old lap. Now you said we were frauds, guess who just won a playoff game? As if you didn't just play the Giants, but you didn't even... That was your gimme. That was a gimme. That was your chance to actually win a game and feel like you're something before you get embarrassed by a team that actually belongs in the playoffs. And you couldn't even get over that hump. The Giants, who have been sliding since, like, what, week eight? You know, back when we played them, it was like, oh, man, the Giants are actually kind of good. And then it turns out they actually sucked. That team. Danny Dimes. I mean, who has a better quarterback? Vikings. Who has better wide receivers? Are you freaking kidding me? Vikings. Better running back is Saquon, but he hasn't been able to make that big of an impact. I mean, you guys should have absolutely mopped the floor with the Giants, and you lost at home. So all that just to drive home the point that there were zero teams that belonged in, in the playoffs from the NFC North. Zero. That is, that is so far from debatable. If you're disagreeing with me right now about the Vikings, I'm laughing at you. Just know that I'm laughing at you. Otherwise, big news, Tampa Bay lost, which made me pretty happy. Um, I know I'm not supposed to root for Dallas, but I'm just, I'm so unbelievably over the Tom Brady thing. I do not want him winning anymore. I want him to go away. I want to start liking Tom Brady. And he seems like a likable guy. But as long as he's out there still trying to tear up the NFL and build Tampa Bay into another powerhouse that we have to deal with, especially now that it's in the NFC, another team that we can't get through. I'm tired of it. I want them gone. I want them out. So it brought me great joy that Dallas beat them. More than happy that it happened. But then the question comes, is he coming back? And it kind of 
it's all reading between the tea leaves stuff, but it seems to me the, mo- the, the speculation is leaning toward he's coming back. Um, it's pretty flimsy stuff, but, uh, you know, I listened to a couple different things and it, it at least makes sense in a conspiracy theory sense in terms of him coming back. Um, here, here is a, you want to hear a crazy thought? And, and granted, Rodgers may make his decision prior to this, probably will. But let's say Tom says, I want to come back. And let's say the Bucks essentially say, we don't really want you. Where does it make the most sense to go? Because it sounds like Tom is, it sounds like it's more than 50% Tom comes back. And it sounds like if he comes back, it's more than 50%. It won't be with Tampa Bay. It's my understanding of the situation. Well, apparently, the um, number one destination is the Raiders, which is crazy, especially now that you got Devontae over there saying, I want to, be, I, I, you know, I want to have a voice in who comes here in, in terms of who the quarterback is. I want to have some say in that. I'm sure he would have no issue with it being Tom Brady. Can you imagine Tom Brady throwing to Devontae Adams? Wouldn't that just feel like the dirtiest thing ever? Like, it's one thing for, for Devontae to leave. It's another thing for him to go up and start catching touchdown passes from Tom friggin' Brady. But then... And again, I don't generally think that this would impact Rodgers, but you got Tom going over to the Raiders, playing with Devontae. They start talking a bunch of trash about, you know, we're going to take over, all this stuff we're going to do. I just wonder if it would get the competitive juices going a little bit, if it would tip the scales just slightly where Rodgers wants to kind of get into that foot race with him and say, I'm going to at least outpace the Raiders. I mean, he did it already this past year, but if I can outpace the Raiders with Tom Brady and Devontae over there, and me and Christian and whoever else is going to be doing that over here, it'll kind of give me a little sense of, uh, you know, that whole who's the better quarterback thing. I mean, look what you were able to do with Devontae. You know what I could do with Devontae. Look what you can do with him, not what I could do. That's for sure. In fact, me without Devontae is better than you with Devontae. Isn't that interesting? I'm just saying. I, I, I Again, I would doubt that we would have that locked up before Rodgers makes his decision, although I think it's going to be a long time before we find out what Rodgers' decision is, like it was last year. In fact, it was March 8th last year that um, Pat McAfee broke the news on Twitter that Aaron Rodgers will be returning to the Green Bay Packers. That's basically two months from right now. It would be seven weeks. It would be the seventh this year. So we're talking seven more weeks, which is a long time. Even still... We need to get Tom's decision, which could be equally as long of a decision, on top of then deciding what team he goes to and locking anything down officially. And I would just imagine Roger's decision would come sooner than we would know that. But it was a fun thought while it, uh, while it was floating around up there. Speaking of, as you can imagine, as I've been saying, there's no reason to believe that uh, Rogers will be giving us a decision this early. He did not. Uh, I listened to him on Pat McAfee. Nothing really interesting enough happened on there. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of speculation. I'm already seeing some snippets on Twitter. Things that he said about potentially playing for another team, uh, which is on the table, which, again, is the reason why I'm leaving everything open. There's certainly probabilities that are higher or lower for different scenarios, but it's the same thing that people do like with the draft. While we would never draft a guy like Devontae Wyatt, he's too old. We'd never draft a guy... Like Quay, because we don't draft linebackers in the first round. We would never draft Jair because he's too short. He doesn't meet the thresholds. We put these limits on things and say absolutely never, 100,000% would never. And it's like, why why are you even saying that? It doesn't make sense. We're doing the same thing with Rodgers. He would never retire the same year as Brady. Yes, he would. He would never walk away from that money. Yes, he would. 
Now, it, it makes it less likely. It's a factor. But there's always going to be a scenario where he says, it's time to go. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. And whatever the ramifications are of that, it's just on the other side of the scale. But we don't know how much is weighing on the other, other side of the scale. And it's the same thing with like a trade. Well, he, no, he said he wants to retire a Packer. Wants to, yes. But what if the Packers and Rodgers aren't necessarily on the same page in terms of, you know, obviously Rodgers can come back, but he's been talking a lot about, well, I don't feel like the Packers want me. Now, granted, publicly the Packers have said that they do 100,000%, but that may be communicated somewhat differently. In other words, we want you back really bad for this whole rebuild, for like, so, so you can be here for one more year during this rebuild before you leave, right? Like, what, what, what are you talking about? They obviously wouldn't phrase it that way, but if they start talking about Randall's going to go and these guys are going to go, da, 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 you kind of get to the point where it's like, you know, we, we, we'd like you to have, to have you back. If not, we understand. And if you'd like to play somewhere else, we understand. We can work out something. And Rodgers looks at it and says, I think I'd kind of like to play. I don't really. It's the same with Devontae. Would there, would, would there have been a scenario where Devontae stayed in Green Bay? Sure. However, Rodgers was on his way out. A lot of the veterans were on their way out. He saw the Packers kind of heading toward this sort of rebuild thing, not really planning on going all in, kind of heading the other direction. And he's like, I'm going to jump ship while I can. And on the other side, you got the Raiders, you got your buddy over there, you got the team you've always loved. If you're ever going to jump ship, now is the time. So he did it. Is there a scenario where the Packers paint a picture of Green Bay, a very welcoming Green Bay, that says, hey, you're welcome to stay. However, here's how we picture the future. And Rodgers says, I don't want to be a part of that future. And then it becomes a question of, do I want to continue to play football? So he decides he wants to come back, but doesn't want to be a part of that future. Talks to Brian Gutekunst and says, why don't we see what we can find on the trade market? And we can kind of weigh that out. At which point, could you, oh, could you imagine? Could you imagine a trade market that had Rodgers and Brady on it, and the Raiders are talking to both parties? And there's sort of a competition and I don't even know what, what that competition would be in terms of, you know, what, what they want in terms of compensation and, you know, a lot of different factors involved, but also Devontae's there and, you know, how much longer is it one year? Are you planning on that? Nah, nah, nah. Obviously, none of them actually know. But how wild of a trade market would that be? And then, and then, then it becomes a super big ego boost, too, where it's like, well, you don't want to be the guy that's picked last. You don't want to be the second Hall of Famer that gets taken. And if you are, you better get some kind of a big compensation for it. You know, if Tom goes first and Rodgers goes back to the drawing board, like, look, we're not gonna we're not gonna say that I didn't get picked over him. Find me somewhere else, but get me more money than that guy. I don't know. I'm just saying things, but that'd be pretty wild, wouldn't it? Brady and Rodgers, free agents. Rumors start swirling that calls are getting made. And that's the crazy thing, too, is I don't think Rodgers would come out with a decision saying, guys, I want to be traded. You know, go on Pat McAfee and being like, look, I've decided that my future is in football, but not with Green Bay. I just, I don't think that that would happen. I think he wants to have a fully fleshed out plan. And so what I think would happen is, as I said, he's going to go to Brian Gutekunst and say, I'm not entirely sure what I want to do. Retirement's on the table. Coming back here is on the table. However, I'm leaning toward playing, but I also don't like being a part of what you're doing here. So why don't we have some kind of conversations and then we'll see what's out there. We'll see what kind of compensation and what teams want me and what, you know, let's just see what, so then I can really weigh this triangle of options, retirement, Packers, playing somewhere else. Just wait, lay them all out on the table. But the, the point is, before he's even made his decision, calls have been made. And what happens when calls get made? Guys like Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter find out and they start talking about it. 
I'm hearing that there are calls being made. So there is a chance, a very slim chance, but a chance that we're going to start hearing that. And if we hear that, I'm guessing most Packer fans are going to say, you're full of it. That's not true. BS. And and that's probably what the team and Rodgers will, will follow up with also. But understand, my official position is going to be that this is how we got here. At the very least, Rodgers wants this to be a part of the equation just to see so I can get the full picture of all my options and then see where I want to go from there. And so you may might get a situation where you hear from Ian Rappaport saying calls were made about Aaron Rodgers and Rodgers decides to play for the Packers and then you're going to oh, you idiot, I told you, he was full of it, he's a liar. And he wasn't lying. Or he retires, he wasn't lying. Rodgers wants all the information, there you go. So... It will be interesting. Um, again, I still think he comes back, but there's a lot of fun scenarios in here. Fun for me. I know people that just want Rodgers back and don't want to talk about anything else are annoyed that I'm even talking about this, especially so gleefully. But I told you, I like this stuff. I find it entertaining. So we'll see. But, but again, my expectation is every week we're going to do this McAfee thing. And for a very long time, it's going to be, will he, won't he? We're not going to get any information. Will he, won't he? We're not going to get any information. And I just remember this last year being a very annoying process where it kept, keeps getting built up as something special is going to happen. And then they talk and it's like, everybody's there. And it was like a hundred thousand people are tuned in. And it was funny. Cause I think there was only like uh, the peak I saw was 58,000. So I think most people are like, he's not going to say anything. Plus it's year two. And I think just less people care, but it always gets built up into, it's going to be this crazy thing. And then when they start talking, it's just like a normal conversation. Like nothing's going on. Then they briefly touch on it, like, so, like, you talk about anything. No, 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 you know, we'll, I'll let you know when I know. Okay. Oh, great. I'm glad I sat here for an hour watching the show, waiting for Rodgers to come on for that. And so that is my expectation for every Tuesday is, will this be the week? And then it's not the week. Now, maybe it'll go a little faster this year than last year uh, because he's already been through it. I don't know. We'll see. But do I? did I expect it today or yesterday? No. Do I expect it next week? No. I would say at the earliest, it'll be sometime in February. It's not going to be in January. I don't think, although there is one sneaky week in there, 31st. But I'm going to stick with... Uh, you know what? I will, I, will, I will say that I think it's in February. Probably late February. Maybe... All right, I'll tell you my prediction. One week earlier than it was last time. So it'll be the 28th. February 28th. It's my estimation of when we'll get an answer. Provides no real value other than... <laughs> Just a thought. Could be could be tomorrow. Who knows? Also, since we're on the topic, I said that I was going to try to stay away from quarterback because everybody's complaining about it, but let's just run with it. Before I took my uh, hiatus, one of the things that I wanted to look at because there was, and I'm not even going to try to look for it anymore, but it was, uh, I think it was PFF, not positive. PFF or, uh, you know what? I think it was the Draft Network. Anyways, I think what they were doing was best fits for teams in the draft or whatever. And one of them, knowing full well that he would catch a lot of flack, said that Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida, would be a good fit for the Packers. And immediately when I heard it, I just kind of rolled my eyes. And then I thought about it. First, The first thought I had was, I rolled my eyes when people said we'd draft Jordan Love too. I said it was, in, in fact, somebody told me when I was doing a live stream, uh, it said we traded up and somebody said Jordan Love and I laughed at them too. I was like, it's not Jordan Love, dude, shut up. I'm not trading up for Jordan Love. It's going to be something something crazy, but not like that crazy, like like cool crazy. And so then I thought, all right, let's just stop for a second. And let's think about this because I'm already to the point, which doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. The fact that I'm to the point now where it's like, we're not going to draft a quarterback. Why? In my opinion, it makes more sense now than it did when we drafted Jordan Love. Does it not? 
I mean, it might be close because you look back then and say, we don't have anybody and Rodgers is maybe on the way out. But right now, what, what, what's the situation? Rodgers is much more certainly on the way out in terms of like soon than he was then. Back then, it's like he could play five more years, 10 years. Who knows how long he could play? Now it's like, I don't know, a year or two maybe. So clearly, you're, you're getting closer to that. The only difference is Jordan Love, but we've also had Jordan Love for a long time, and he, although he hasn't had a lot of opportunities, has never really proven that he's like the guy. Why wouldn't quarterback be a consideration if you really like a guy at this pick? And Anthony Richardson, I think, makes sense. In fact, you could potentially say you could trade up for somebody. I don't know. Maybe Will Levis is is there at nine-ish. You make a move. I don't know. But Richardson is is projected to be at pick 21. We're at 15. It could be a thing. And so I said, let's just keep an open mind. Let's think about it. First of all, in what scenario does it make the most sense? And I thought, well, if Rodgers leaves, you draft a quarterback, and then you've got a competition. You've got Jordan Love and Anthony Richardson duking it out. May the best man win, right? Jordan Love is your starting quarterback. And maybe it's <laughs> it's funny because usually how this works is you've got a guy that's been there for a long time or a veteran backup that's been in the league for like 10 years, even if he's only been with your team for a year. And you let him be the guy because he's the vet and all that. And then you just look for that opportunity to push him out. The Packers would do that, but it would be with Jordan Love, who's been waiting for this opportunity forever before they push him out and put Anthony Richardson in. If that even happens, I don't know. Maybe Jordan Love would be a stud. So that was my first thought. We'll need a quarterback more if Rodgers leaves. And then I thought about it and I said, that might not be true. I think we might need a quarterback more if Rodgers comes back. Reason being, if Rodgers does come back, that's one more year without Jordan Love, and it makes it less likely that Jordan is going to end up being the guy. And if Jordan is not the guy, meaning we might even trade him this year, we have to draft somebody. We have to get on a quarterback. You don't want to have Rodgers come back this year, and you don't do anything in the draft, and then Jordan says, I want to be traded. And now Jordan's out, and Rodgers is leaving after this year, and we have literally nobody. That could be where we're at. If Rodgers comes back and Jordan does say he wants a trade, we we don't have anybody. We don't have a 2023, uh, 2024 quarterback. I don't know what year it is. Now, I don't know what Jordan's thought process is, but as much time as we've spent going in circles about Rodgers coming back and Rodgers this and Rodgers that, 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 and Jordan Love, we've spent almost no time talking about this very real situation that we've been in. In fact, we spent a ton of time talking about how not optimal it was drafting Jordan Love, all things considered, right? I mean, the timing is just off. Now, if he ends up being a great quarterback, it doesn't ultimately matter. I mean, it kind of sucks a little bit that it, you know, we wasted those years, but it doesn't matter. But the timing still is not great. Well, this this is a part of that whole situation with the timing not being right and, and just not quite getting what we needed from whoever, whatever. But we could get into a situation where we could, if Rodgers comes back, and maybe even prior to the draft, we trade Jordan Love. If, if we get in any inclination, we're going to need to figure that out because we got to figure out the uh, fifth-round option, which we still have not put on him yet, which makes him a prime trade candidate because they, somebody else he could trade, they could put that fifth-year option on him, and they got a, a cheap year with him that they can kind of figure stuff out, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So I think, I, th- I think if Rodgers comes back, they need to have a very serious conversation with Jordan Love and see where he's at, and and make sure they get full honesty because you don't want to find out later that he's he wants to go play somewhere else. Because here's the thing: there, there are going to be teams that are kind of quarterback needy, but maybe they're not quite in that range. You know, they know they can't get that guy, or they need a quarterback, but 
they also need a ton of other stuff and don't really want to reach for one of these guys. You know, maybe they like Bryce Young and kind of like C.J. Stroud, but after that, it's kind of iffy. You know, I mean, look at Tampa Bay. Maybe if they still think that they've got it, they've got the team, they've got everything they need, they just need a quarterback, and their quarterback just left. Now, we wouldn't get there first. I'm not implying that. I'm just saying. These are teams that could end up being interested. team like Carolina that, you know, even last year, they had like three quarterbacks, and they're just going to see kind of who does what, see how it goes. Maybe you just throw another one in the mix. Because again, it's a very real possibility that we're just not even discussing. What happens if Rodgers comes back and Jordan Love goes, talks to uh Gutekunst and says I I I would like to go play somewhere else I've waited long enough I think I've earned an opportunity I'd like to be traded what do you do you tag him and say suck it up your ours I don't think so you trade him and you get whatever compensation you can and then you then what now we're in desperation mode and I don't want to be the guy that hasn't even looked at quarterbacks because I'm like ah they won't do that so anyways um very real possibility as much as it's going to make every Packer fan angry. How dare you? We should just get a wide receiver and go win a Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. I think it's a real situation. Now, specifically with Anthony Richardson, when I first looked at him, I lost my mind in terms of how excited I got about him. He is built like an absolute tank. We're talking six foot four, 231 pounds. He is a big dude. Here's the crazy part. If you look at his 40 time, or at least projected 40 time, and compare that to Justin Fields, they're about the same. So imagine a guy that runs like Justin Fields, but is an inch taller and 10 pounds heavier. We've seen what Justin Fields does on, on, on the field, right? His, his ability to run around and, and, and break tackles and do all that stuff, you just can't get the guy down. And so I started getting, getting excited about that. But the question is, can the guy throw a football? And I think that's where a lot of the questions came in for me. PFF, not a big fan of him as a thrower at all. And then you go watch him play, and you could see a lot of issues with his ability to throw the football. A lot. And so it dawned on me, if you want Justin Fields, if you really like Justin Fields, you should want to draft Anthony Richardson. Now granted, Justin or Richardson never had the college career that Fields had, so there's no reason to believe that it'll translate to being the same quality. But considering Fields sucks at throwing the football and is great at running, I don't see any reason Anthony Richardson can't live up to the, exactly what Justin Fields is giving you. If you're if you're good with what he's doing and you're saying Fields is the dude, and if we had Fields, we'd be da 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 da, then you should want Anthony Richardson. As soon as I realized he's a bigger version of Fields, I got off that train. As much as it's exciting to think about a guy that with that unbelievable athletic ability. I mean, he's not quite Ben Roethlisberger. He's an inch shorter and, you know, seven pounds lighter or whatever. But just picture a guy that's, I don't know, who's another big guy? He's kind of close to Josh Allen. Picture a guy built like Josh Allen can run almost like, almost as big as Josh Allen, almost as fast as Fields. It's hard not to get excited about that. But at the same time, you look at that and say, now I know why everybody's so excited about him. Now I know why he's a lock first-round pick. And I, I generally don't like that. Everybody that runs fast 40s and does all these things, especially mobile quarterbacks, the media loves mobile quarterbacks. I like it as a side thing. I don't like it as the main thing. If you can, I, I want a guy that is a great thrower of the football, and if you can also run, great. If you are a freak athlete that's a mediocre thrower of the football, I can't get into it. So... Um, that's kind of, I, I think that is going to be my official stance on him. Also, I'm sure I will talk myself into it. If we get him, just hope that he can be better than, than what we're seeing from fields, because that's going to be the ultimate gut punch from karma. If we end up drafting a Justin Fields after as much trash as I've talked about the guy, 
But I think the the larger picture going forward is keeping an open mind to the idea that that may be the pick. And I know that's not what anybody else wants, but but let's rewind to how I ended Packernet After Dark for just a second. On Packernet After Dark, the last thing I said was picture that sort of 96 Packers team, that 2010 Packers team, even 2011, whatever whatever team it was for Green Bay that you watched and just said, this team is dominant. 2012, 2016, whatever, 2009, just freaking dominant. And then try to apply that to this. What What, what is the picture of this team right now? And I, I, I just came up with that sort of on the spot. And even as I sit here now, I don't exactly know. But I, I know that there are certain things when I think about it, I go, eh, no, I don't think so. And like I said yesterday, David Bakhtiari, it's hard to picture this team that is that is just on top of the world crushing people, offense, defense, special teams, and Bakhtiari, who has a hard time staying on the field for more than a half a year, is a part of that. Even Kenny Clark, I, I just, I struggle with it. I, I hope he can be a part of it, but I just feel like we don't ever really get that from him, that just dominant force to be reckoned with, at least not consistently. You see it every year. But you'll see it six, seven, eight times a year, and then the other six, seven, eight is like he, he's a ghost. Everybody has down games. You know, Devontae would have a bad game or two. Rodgers in his prime would have a couple bad games here and there. But if, if you're there for half, you know, if you're great for three games, you're good for half a season, and you're just kind of a ghost for the other half, I'm sorry, man. I, I just, I can't put you in the top tier of anything. You know, Amos is part, clearly not a part of it. Preston is not a part of it. I don't think Razul or, or Devondre probably are, are maybe, but eh, I don't know. I don't think Rodgers is necessarily a part of it. The reason I ask, though, is because as angry as everybody's going to get, why would you waste it? But we did it. Not every year can be an all-in year. Not every year you're just a player away. And I understand that the desire for a wide receiver, I think that that's, that's true. We do have that. I understand the desire for a tackle. We need that. But is there any particular position you could think that if we run it back and then add that player, that we are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. If you add a the top wide receiver in this draft class to last year's team, are we a Super Bowl contender? Given all the defensive issues, I really doubt it. You add a top defensive player. Let's say you add another pass rusher to go along with Rashawn. That's pretty awesome. But that doesn't overcome all the offensive issues. Now, yes, we do draft more than one player, but okay, the first-round pick could be a bust anyway, so it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm granting you a great player. How about I give you a great player and two good players? Can you give me a great player, two good players, apply it to last year, and we win a Super Bowl? I don't think so. By last year, I mean this, this current year that just ended. And so I guess my point is, I, I understand there's a, there's a, here's what we need most. But I also think there's a, a very good reason to keep an open mind, and I think every team should have an open mind to drafting the best player available, unless you really are that one team that's just a player away. You know, like when the Kansas City Chiefs took Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who cares? They're, they're a dominant football team that's basically, it feels like they're in the Super Bowl every single year, but they don't really have a good run game. Why not? Why not? Now, if Michael Mayer is the top guy on your board, should we take him? Sure. Fine, whatever. But are we a Michael Mayer away? Are we a Jordan Addison away? No. And if you're not, you absolutely should just stick to what is the best player. And so what I'm saying is we should keep an open mind to the idea that maybe the best player available is going to be a quarterback like it was when Jordan Love got drafted. 
And maybe we're in a situation where that is our biggest need because after Rodgers, we don't have anybody. And even if even if Jordan Love doesn't ask for a trade, we've been hearing all the time about you know, the, the idea that maybe the Packers know that they don't have a quarterback in Jordan Love. Maybe that's true. What is the case if that's true? What do you do then? You know, Rodgers is on his way out. You know, Jordan Love probably isn't the guy. And even if, even if he can become the guy at some point after several years of play, it's already been so long. He's going to need his big contract. And, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Why not? Why not look at it? So I know people are tired of the quarterback talk generally. But I honestly think not enough time has been given to this particular uh, question because the more I think about it, the more it makes sense to me. We know Aaron Rodgers is not the long-term solution. So the only real question is, is Jordan that guy? And even if the answer is yes, is that going to get messed up if Rodgers comes back? In which case, we still are looking at a quarterback. Even if we like Jordan Love, because obviously we have no idea if he is officially the guy. Nobody Nobody can know that, including the Green Bay Packers, right? That's why... Gutekunst said it, LaFleur said it, Rodgers has said it. Nobody knows if he can be the guy. We don't even know if Justin Fields is the guy. He's been playing for two years on a football field. But you have a sense, or at the very least, you'll have a sense if he's not the guy, right? Because there's there's book learning stuff, which is, what, 10% of your ability to be a quarterback? You know if he knows that. Now, whether he can apply it on a football field is an entirely different thing. But do you understand the play? And, and even that is stupid, because of course he understands the playbook at this point. In fact, I'm not even going to give that 10%, because as much as I admire and appreciate guys like Sam Holman and, and Coach Hawn, these guys could probably break down this offense and, and the plays and all this stuff, and, and, and Dusty Evely, I don't want them to be the next quarterback of the Packers. Because having, having it between the years doesn't mean jack squat in the grand scheme of things. It's just the first step. So what do you do then? You're a team and you don't know if you've got the guy. I mean, you can sit him down in a classroom and he can recite back to you all the right answers on a, on a whiteboard, but can he go out there in a live game situation under pressure, Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night, playoffs, divisional games, on the road, in the cold, all these different variables with guys in your face, audibles, checkdowns, what do you do in this situation, that, 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 all these different things. What are you going to do in those situations? No idea. No idea. No idea how he'll live up to that or handle that. Crunch time. Two minutes left. What about when the team's riding high? How's he going to handle that? What about when the team's in the, in the tanks and you're, you know, four and ten? Don't know any of that. So we don't know what we have in love. And we know Rodgers is leaving soon. I'm just saying. So um, before we take a break, final summary on that. I am wide open, although I don't like the quarterbacks. I will say I'm wide open to the idea that that may be the situation and we should brace ourselves for that, just like we should have braced ourselves for Jordan Love. Um, I'm not necessarily advocating for it, but I'm just saying right here, right now, we need to be ready for that to be the thing that happens. I will also say I'm not into Anthony Richardson, and I don't think I can be sold on him. You can try, but I, I, I'm pretty close to ready to close in the book on Richardson. But there's a lot of other quarterbacks in the draft. We'll see how it goes. Um, why don't we take a break right here and, uh, we'll come back and talk about different stuff in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arena club.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. 
Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So sticking with the uh, draft situation, um, I had somebody, let me check real quick. I'm going to make this a thing, by the way, uh, but I'm going to try to limit it to Patreon because any opportunity I have to make something special for patrons, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Jack is who it is. Jack sent me his mock draft for the Green Bay Packers, asked me my thoughts. Um, I'm not going to go super in-depth. I'm not going to watch all these guys because it's getting kind of late and that gets to be a little lengthy. But in the spirit of kind of going through and learning some of the prospects, uh, why don't we go ahead and take a look at some of these guys? And the one thing I like is I don't really, aside from Brandon Joseph at 78, I'm not super familiar with a lot of these guys. Um, so this will be a lot of fun because one of the one of the drawbacks, and there are very few of draft season, is you start to hear the same things over and over again. And it becomes a situation where either you're saying the same thing as everybody else or you're saying something ridiculous for the sake of saying something different, which may end up being true, but it also, I mean, we've kind of fleshed out what makes the most sense, and we've kind of honed in on it. And so whatever you're saying now is just silliness for the sake of silliness. But anyways, uh, at pick 15, he had Nolan Smith, edge rusher out of Georgia. Obviously, Georgia makes a lot of sense. Um, for the record, I, when I say things like that, I'm mostly kidding. I don't actually think there's anything about Georgia necessarily that the Packers like. There might be certain things, for example, the fact that they're a championship team is going to play into it. The fact that they won a championship means that that may make them go a little bit higher. Um, but again, that's not really a Georgia thing. That's about being a, a, a champion. Um, also, they happen to have a lot of good players, so there's just a higher likelihood that we end up taking, especially if you're looking defense, it's their defense that leads it. You know, So there's a lot of reasons why you could have something like that, which is clearly to some degree a coincidence happening. I don't think that they're just like, dude, I just want Georgia guys, because that doesn't make any sense. However, there is the Georgia connection on the uh, NFL mock draft database, which is what he used. So he is fully aware that this is not a good value based on uh, the aggregate rankings, um, but just likes Nolan Smith. So uh, Nolan Smith is not somebody I've really watched, but because it's a first round edge rusher, I am going to watch him out of fun. Yeah, just do highlights or something. But let's see what PFF has to say, because that's more important in my opinion. So first thing that stands out to me immediately is that he's six foot three, two thirty five, which makes him an extremely small edge rusher. Um, I feel like the NFL is getting away from that, and um, the Packers in particular haven't really gone for that since they've kind of made that switch to sort of the bigger guys, which was what twenty seventeen ish. I want to say like when they started adding bulk to the outside, and Clay was kind of a relic. But there aren't a ton of two hundred thirty five pound edge rushers in the NFL these days, at least not super successful ones that I'm aware of. Although who knows, maybe that's making a comeback. You know, we've heard the NFL is cyclical. Maybe this is part of the cycle. You had the the smaller, faster guys, the Clay Matthews guys, the the speed bend guys, and then you start getting more of the Petten style, getting the bigger 270 pound edge rushers that compress the pocket. Uh, but that's that's clearly becoming the norm. If you look at the top 10 
pass rushers via PFF. Miles Garrett is 272 pounds. Micah Parsons is 245, which is still 10 pounds heavier, and he's essentially an inside linebacker that was converted. Technically, he was an edge rusher that was converted to inside linebacker in college and then converted back once he got to Dallas. But he was an inside linebacker there, too, and they just realized he's a freak of a pass rusher. So even at that, he's he's an anomaly at 245. Nick Bosa's 266. You got Bryce Huff and Max Crosby at 255, which, in my opinion, is on the lower end of the bigger spectrum. Then you got Brandon Graham, 265. Jalen Phillips, 263. Daniil Hunter, 263. Josh Sweat, 265 and Montez Sweat 262. So that 260-ish, that's that's the Preston Smith. That's that's that whole thing. Then you get, you know, Rashawn Gary is 277. Moves like he's 250, but he's 277. So that's sort of one of those immediate red flags that you say it's not going to be disqualifying, but it definitely makes you nervous. Um secondarily, if you look at it, it looks like he did not play an entire season at Georgia. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine is the weeks he played. So he missed a couple there. Had an 83 grade, but again, that doesn't really reflect his overall abilities. Um, kind of, if I had to pick sort of that, again, the median is right around 70. When I say again, sometimes, by the way, I might be talking about what I said on Packernet after dark. I do them back to back, so I don't really remember. It all kind of blends in. But he did have a 90 overall grade against Florida, and then 84 against Auburn, and then two 70s and a bunch of 60s. He had 19 pressures on 104 attempts, which is fantastic. Only two sacks, but again, I tend to lean more on pressures than sacks because I think sacks are a little bit more fleeting and pressures are more indicative of their ability as a pass rusher. If they can pressure, the sacks will follow. So 18% pressure rate is solid. It's not elite from a college perspective, and in the NFL it definitely would be. Um, But he spent four years at Georgia. Last year in 2021 was probably his only full season. He had 499 snaps. Uh, the two years in between, or you know, 2020 and 2022, 188 and 180. So he's probably missed some time. I'm guessing there's some injury history here. But 85 overall grade, 90 run defense, which I wouldn't necessarily... That, that would be my biggest concern about a 235-pound guy, although there's pass rush concerns as well. But 28 pressures, 256 attempts is too close to 10% for me. So just from a statistical standpoint, including height, weight, pressures, grades, games played... I'm seeing a billion red flags here, right? He's too small, too injury prone, maybe, assuming it's injury issues. I'm guessing it is. Um, the pressures aren't where you'd like him to be. This year, they were fine at 18%, but only two sacks. Last year, 28 out of 256 is basically 10%. That sucks for college. He's never really had a high pass rush grade. 79 was his best in 2021. Um, his best asset the last two years is run defense, and I just really doubt a 235-pound outside linebacker is going to just dominate the edge as a run defender. So again, without watching him and seeing those elite attributes, the bend and this and that and the other thing, just looking at it on paper, a lot to worry about, in my opinion. I think the funniest part about watching all these highlights and everything else is how many Georgia guys we have. He had a pick in 2021. It was tipped by Quay. He had a sack, the fumble, picked up by Quay. So um, here's what I would say. If we ended up and we're not going to, obviously, but if, if, if it came about that we were going to hire uh, Jim Leonard, I'd be all about it. This feels like a Jim Leonard defensive end if I've ever seen one, because that 235 pounds makes him very interchangeable. Like all the linebackers are that 6'3", 235. And the benefit being, you know, you, you can blitz Quay and drop him, right? I feel much more comfortable with a guy like Nolan Smith dropping into coverage 
who has a 73 coverage grade, by the way, than I do Preston or Rashawn. Not that I want him like manned up on the edge against Justin Jefferson, but if you're going to drop him once in a while to disguise what you're doing, who's coming, who's going, uh, that whole thing we talked about a few weeks ago about how he runs his defense, this seems to be a great fit. I don't know. And again, there's, there's a good pass rusher is a good pass rusher. And if they like him, they're going to draft him flat out. But I just don't know that generally this fits the mold of what the Packers want, or the NFL for that matter. But he's a first-round prospect probably for a reason. Um, in terms of the, the highlight reel thing that I saw, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a highlight reel of a pass rusher. Um, everything that I saw that I liked, there was kind of a yeah, but, right? The, the, the first sack they showed was fine, but it was three and a half seconds. I timed it. Doesn't matter. He held the edge, an edge really, really good and made a tackle. But it was against an Alabama tight end that looked like he was about 214 pounds. You know, there's always those little things. So it's just, you would need to kind of dig in a little more. And like I said, I'm not going to do a ton of that right now. Um, after that, he drafted Rasheed Rice, wide receiver at pick 45 out of SMU. For whatever, I don't know why I like SMU wide receivers. There must have just been like a thing a couple of years ago where they're super fast and or tall, like tall, fast guys or something. I don't know. But 6'3", 206, he's uh, 21, so he's relatively young, 85 overall grade. He's been at SMU for four years, two years kind of mediocre, 69, 67. Then he exploded kind of with an 80 overall grade, 80 receiving grade. And then the next year, an 86, 86 receiving also. Um, Does have some drop issues. This past year, he had nine drops, which is 8.6%. Two years ago at SMU, he had uh, 10 drops which was 17.5%, which is insanely high. We're talking nearly one in five targets was dropped. But 1,344 yards, 10 touchdowns. But I think the thing that really is going to stand out for him, just like everybody else that's a wide receiver, is his speed. Uh, apparently his um, projected 40 time is 4.36. So, um, you know, at six foot three, 206, running a 4.36, you're talking about another Christian Watson, right? I mean, he's a smaller school Tall, fast guy. Well, I'll tell you what, the small sample size I saw of Rasheed Rice, I really like. I'm going to have to dig a little bit more into that. The thing that I really like about him, it's I'm watching a highlight reel, so I'll, I'll check the All-22 later if they have any. So I, I, I can't really tell how fast he's moving down the field, but when he catches it, his acceleration is ridiculous. Zero to 60, man. He just goes flying. And i tell you what, he, he doesn't look very big. I'm, I'm looking at it going, dude, this guy is not 6'3". He looks like he's 6'1". 190 but he is he's physical maybe maybe just the rest of his teammates are tall i don't know but he really is i mean you, you watch him run the same stuff that watson did you know he's, he's got the deep down the field stuff you see the wide receiver screens and then you see the 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 jet sweep coming across the formation but you watch him run and you, we've seen christian do it right he, he doesn't handle contact super well usually he goes down first contact this guy he'll stiff arm people into oblivion and there's a play against cincinnati which is a really stout defense, obviously. Somebody comes up and after he stiff arms somebody, levels him. He somehow does like a 180, stays on his feet and gets in the end zone. Tell you what, I don't know if I have time tonight. If you are a patron, I think we're going to go in on Rasheed Rice. I'm going to spend some time. We're going to watch some highlights. I'm going to go see if I can find any all 22. We're going to have some fun looking at uh, Rasheed Rice because I'm digging this, man. I, I like this guy, especially now that I know that Christian Watson panned out. So if, if you watch a guy and he's like, he's kind of like Watson, but, you know, more physical, it's like, oh, dang. What, say, 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 it, say it again, but slower. 
Anyways, then you get Brandon Joseph out of Notre Dame. Obviously, you need that safety help. He's got the pretty prototypical build, 6'1", 196. Um, kind of up and down grades. He played for Northwestern for three years. Uh, didn't play very much as a rookie. Had a 61 grade, doesn't matter, 13 snaps. Then year two at Northwestern, uh, full-time, 83, right? So boom, blow, explodes onto the scene. Then 2021, he goes back to a 65. He had a 40 run defense grade, which is obviously pretty terrible. Um, but the coverage has been consistent through three years. But anyways, takes a step back. Then he goes to Notre Dame for his one year and is kind of in between with a 73 overall grade. Um, it seems to me, well, a couple things. First of all, coverage is more important. I, I kind of jumped on, uh, for example, Brian Branch. And I and again, I didn't do a full look. I just, I didn't like the lack of physicality, which is why I'm much more of a Chris Smith fan because if you want to know what I'm talking about, watch that guy. He makes it his personal mission. I don't care if somebody else is there. I'm going to kill this guy myself. However, if you're looking at really good safeties, you probably really need to prioritize coverage way above and beyond everything else. And I learned that if I can try to find what year that was, 2020, 2021 probably, it was Javon Holland in 2020. Because when I went back and tried to build out like what the most important things are for grades and all that stuff for safeties, the most important thing was coverage. And Javon Holland was the biggest indicator of that because he really wasn't very good in, in run defense. He wasn't great at anything else. He was real solid in coverage. He comes into the NFL. I don't know exactly what he did this year, but was one of the top safeties in football as a rookie last year. So with that said, you look at Brandon Joseph and you say, well, his run defense grades, 57, 67, 40, and 62, that's not great. But his coverage the last three years, his rookie year, again, he hardly played, 88, 77, and 77. He's only given up two touchdowns in his three years, but has 10 interceptions and three pass breakups, which is hilarious. The the ratio from pass breakups to interceptions, usually it's much higher for pass breakups and interceptions. It would be like the obvi- the opposite, 10 pass breakups, three interceptions. But what that tells me is if he gets near the ball, he's going to catch it. Um, anyways, in terms of watching, just again, the highlights, there is a difference between being good against the run and having a good run defense grade and being physical. Uh, there's a clip in here of him absolutely annihilating Smith and Jigba. So if he has the physicality, but maybe not necessarily the uh, just doesn't grade out very well or whatever, however that would pan out, I would be over the moon for Brandon Joseph. If he's great in coverage and wildly physical, but sometimes just you know doesn't get off blocks or this, that, or the other, I don't care. I'm going to be a big fan. So I, I'll circle back to Brandon Joseph also. But anyways, I'm just going to skip through the rest of these without going super in-depth now that we're getting into the 100s. Chase Brown, running back out of Illinois, 5'11", 205, 81 grade. Probably going to run in the low 4'4", so potential Aaron Jones replacement. Henry Bonavalu, uh, offensive lineman out of Washington. Let me take a wild guess here. 6'2", 335. I was way off. 6'7", 307. He's a big dude, just more tall and lean. Surprising for a Washington Husky with a Samoan name. I thought I was going to knock that one out of the park. Although he's not a defensive tackle, so there you go. Uh, anyways, guard out of Washington. He has played uh, right guard his entire career with the exception of his rookie year where he didn't play a ton. He played some tackles, some guard, some left guard, right tackle, whatever. But since his year two, when he actually got a solid start somewhere, he's been a right guard all the way through with the exception of one snap at left tackle this last year. Um, subpar run blocking grade 65. 
Even that is probably overinflating his grade. Most of these games are below a 65. Pass blocking is solid 79, which is maybe underselling him. But there are three pretty bad games, a 56 against Arizona, 50 against Oregon State, 54 against Oregon. Um, so certainly worth a look as a mid to late round flyer. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett, another wide receiver, this time out of Maryland, six foot 190. PFF, not a big fan, especially this last year. He kind of fell off 64 overall grade, 62 receiving, 36 drop grade. He had eight drops, which was 16.7%. Not necessarily blazing speed, at least in terms of projection, 4.43. Quick, but not, you know, not a Tyreek Hill guy. Jay Ward, going to double down on safeties also, safety out of LSU. Although PFF lists him as a corner, almost couldn't find him. Looks like he's very much a hybrid. He played free safety, strong safety, slot corner, as well as boundary corner, left and right corner. So he played a little bit of everything, uh, and he was universally bad at all of them. (laughs) His only good game of the entire year came in the slot against Mississippi State, had a 90.5 overall grade. His second highest graded game was a 68. He uh, ended with a 55, 70 in run defense, 53 in coverage, gave up three touchdowns, had a pick and two pass breakups, 99.9 passer rating when targeted, 6'2", 188. Uh, then Dylan Horton, defensive lineman out of TCU, although this says edge rusher, 6'4", 275, a little bit more of that range that I was looking at in terms of size. Um, I l- like it, especially for a late-round guy to be this consistent. He is extremely consistent. Five years in college, two at New Mexico, three at TCU, his grades 65, 67, 70, 71, 76. So it's straight up. Uh, he had a 76 this year. His lowest grade was a 57. His highest was a 78. He is the most average human being you'll ever meet in your life. <laughs> his run defense was a 75. Pass rush was a 71. His tackling was a 68. He's just he's just right in the pocket, man. He had uh, 48 pressures out of 416 attempts, which is above 10%, including 10 sacks. So the the grades are or the statistics are are great. I think the build is great. Uh, again, nothing really bad. Maybe this is sort of a Dean Lowry type of a replacement. I mean, he's he's on the lighter end. If you're talking defensive lineman, if you want to keep him on the edge, then I don't know what you'd call him. Kingsley, maybe. Then uh, interior offensive lineman Jalen Thomas out of SMU, another SMU Mustang, six foot five, three twenty six, big old dude. Um, definitely somebody the Packers would probably be interested in because of definitely, probably, um, the versatility. He was a left tackle for this, uh, well, he's a right tackle his first year, left tackle his next two years. Then he played left tackle and left guard. And then as a senior, 50 snaps at left tackle, 253 at left guard, 88 at center, 186 at right guard, 180 at right tackle. He played over 100 snaps at three positions and 50 and above at the other two. And he had a 77 overall grade, a 72 run blocking grade, and a 90 pass blocking grade, playing all five positions. Yeah, put a big old circle around this guy. Um, That level of versatility, especially as a guy that's been this consistent as a pass blocker, 80, 82, 73, and 89 over the last four years, I uh, borderline be surprised if he makes it this far. I mean, I, I get it. Maybe he's just not great, but still. And then finally, Puka Nakua at pick 240 wide receiver out of BYU. Got to triple up on wide receivers again, because why not? But six foot two, 205, graded out extremely well the last two years. So his first two years were in Washington. He was so-so and didn't play nearly as much. 
transfers to BYU, gets a big role, has an 84.2 grade, 83.3 receiving. This year, 89.8 and a 90 receiving grade, although it seems like he missed some games here. Didn't play weeks two, three, or five. But uh, pretty steady hands the last two years, no real drop issues. 61.8 contested catch rate, which is fantastic. This past year, even with missing some of those games, 48 receptions, 625 yards, five touchdowns. By the way, that was the other thing with that Rasheed Rice guy. He had a ton of touchdowns too. So you, like Christian, not only is he a, a bigger speed guy, but he's also a red zone threat. Anyways, sorry, I'm still on that. Puka Nakua, um, I mean, yeah, he, he grades out phenomenally well, and he, he did play some decent competition. We're not talking, uh, you know, FCS here. Graded out well against Wyoming, against Arkansas, against uh, Stan- well, Stanford was whatever. So certainly worth a look. Anyways, folks, I'm going to leave it at that for now. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.